Um, I had a. I don't know. I had a pack of beef jerky the other oh, day. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. No, listen to my beef jerky. <laughs> okay, tell tell the beef jerky story. <laughs> Can we cut it though? I don't. <laughs> All right, tell good. your story first. No, I want to hear about. Your I'll let the beef jerky, jerky thing come no. up naturally. <laughs> <laughs> when we get on the subject later, I saw that you were recording a music video that was so racy. <laughs> was it? Yeah. My mom called me yesterday and asked if I had seen it. <laughs> It was one of those things where it's like... It was sexy. I felt uncomfortable. <laughs> I felt pretty uncomfortable making it a couple of times. Yeah, I bet. Um, when you're standing and staring at each other singing. Yeah. Well, we were both just like weird. staring beyond. Yeah. Uh, doing the Dwight Schrute, like, stare at your forehead or whatever. Um, it was definitely, It was definitely weird. And she's kind of like... Morgan, my duo partner, is very much like kind of a sister figure, like sincerely. Um, and so anything is anything is weird. And we sing a lot of love songs and a lot of yeah. fight songs. And she wrote that song and then kind of wrote the concept for the video. And I thought it's really it's really great. I mean, it's going to look super cool and it's absolutely perfect for the nature of the song and all of that. Um, and then we both were like. Can we do that though? Like, is that gonna be kind of weird? Um, but uh, then we just said acting, and well, it looks great. Did the thing? I think it's gonna be good. I think I'm it's gonna look pretty it. cool. But it was really funny when my mom called and she was like, "Have you seen this? <laughs> <laughs> seen what, Judy?" <laughs> What are you t- speaking of which? Um, I was eating some beef jerky the other day. <laughs> See, that's that's good. That's organic. <laughs> um, the uh, was the beef jerky organic. The beef jerky was not organic. It okay, was just the, get to the story. For God's sake, it's not even a story. It was just something I noticed that in every pack of beef jerky, there's a little thing that says "Do not eat." Yeah. <laughs> Have you noticed that before? Yeah. Sure. It's a weird Keeps thing to fresh. put in a pack of beef jerky, don't you think? <laughs> I'm so glad hey, you told that story. I realize you're I realize you're someone who gnaws on things like dried out meat <laughs> while you're driving down the road. Um so I thought I'd throw something in there that will kill you if you eat it. Don't eat this. <laughs> the texture, consistency, and size is <laughs> super easy to get lost <laughs> between pieces of jerky. <laughs> so, thanks for letting me tell that now. <laughs> now on with the episode. Okay. Um, but that's not that's not common in other food, though, right? Yeah, you don't pour out a can of ravioli and there's like non-edible items in it yeah that seems it it just i don't know it struck me as very bizarre uh that i don't think i had ever given it any thought before and i'm like not to mention beef jerky sometimes there's a toy in a box of cereal if you get the right kind of cereal that's true um but it's also like packaged separately and like usually there's 
there's an air pocket to it like you couldn't put you couldn't swallow it on accident um and the other and like beef jerky is by its very nature pretty well preserved <laughs> true like i don't think that thing that they're putting in there is doing anything whatsoever to maintain freshness like jerky's not supposed to be fresh <laughs> if your jer- <laughs> if your jerky is fresh you might get salmonella <laughs> um did you just say salmonella? Sal- salmonella. Salmonella, <laughs> because you can get it from salamanders and turtles and such. And that's where the name comes from. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you feel stupid? <laughs> um, Richard is Jesus, a white guy. And does he really hate everyone who is gay? Does he turn up his nose before he bombs all his foes? Is he a member of the NRA? Preacher, does Jesus really care if the poor can't find enough scraps? Or does he say, suck it up, son, look at how good I've done by just pulling on my designer bootstraps? Yeah. So, uh, Jesus yeah. uh, was really excited about being human, right? Like something he talks about a lot is, I'm a son of man. Can you guys believe it? Check it out. I'm a son of man. And uh, and I thought that it would be funny if like there was a place in the scriptures where he was like, I'm not just son of God. I'm son of man. Check it out. Watch me pee. And then people would come over and they're like, but Jesus, you're not peeing. And he's like, yeah, because I'm a man and you're watching me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a... That's a complicated joke. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, so I did the jerky thing. <laughs> I did the Jesus watch me pee thing. I think and I'm all out. That's my notes. Toast? We just <laughs> What's the deal? Uh I powered through my notes. What do you got? That was pretty much it for me, too. All right. Um, Well, at the conclusion of this season of Crisis of Faith. (laughs) (laughs) We are concluding the season soon. Yeah, three weeks. Three weeks. 21 days. We're concluding it with our uh, annual 21-day fast. Yeah. I will be avoiding cauliflower and cigarettes. <laughs> For the next twenty-one days, I love cauliflower. Yeah, I do too. Have you had cauliflower tacos? Oh, see, I don't get into that. I don't oh, like you cauliflower pizza. I don't know. I don't. That. I just like cauliflower has its own thing going that I'm into. Like being but, pale broccoli. Yeah. It's That's its good. own thing. It doesn't taste anything like broccoli. Broccoli sucks. Broccoli's good if you cook it. But cauliflower... That was a big leap there. <laughs> broccoli sucks. <laughs> Unless you prepare it. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, it's terrible. You know, unless you season it a little bit. <laughs> But no, we have cauliflower tacos where you kind of like, it's like a shrimp taco, but you replace the shrimp with cauliflower. Oh, 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 oh. And put oh, like a yeah. little panko, okay. little bread, I got you. Little bread no. crumb thing, and then air yeah. fry it. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm with you on that. I thought, and you spicy. know, people make cauliflower like pizza crust. Cauliflower. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like you thought I meant the shell. I thought, yeah. I thought you were saying. That would have no integrity. A cauliflower <laughs> tortilla. I, I agree. We are recording this on Cinco de Mayo. Um, That's by right. <clears throat> I think it may, it may the be. Cinco uh, of Mayo. That's what that means. Worth in noticing. Spanish. It means Cinco of Mayo? Yeah. Yeah. Um, comes right after the day where everyone pretends they're a Star Wars fan. <laughs> <laughs> and for a really stupid reason. Right. Can I just say that's stupid? This isn't like when Star Wars was born or when it died. It's not Luke Skywalker's birthday or <laughs> Yoda's. or it, like It's literally just May the 4th. Yeah, it's just a weak pun. Yeah, with a lisp. <laughs> it's it's a weak pun that is used that is poked at people with disabilities. Exactly, that's what the day before the Cinco of Mayo really boils down to. No, I got I brought up Jesus because I think this next little section we've been working through like the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. Um since the beginning of time. Uh since it was written, basically, since it was since it was pinned, <laughs> yeah. since it was preached and pinned. Um and we've talked several times about how it wasn't really preached, it's not really a sermon, and there may in fact have not been a mount. Um but that hasn't stopped us in any other branches of Christianity. <laughs> There's tons of mounts, <laughs> which makes it a a sort of arbitrary uh, title for it. Um, but we've talked several times about how it's kind of just a big collection of lots of things that Jesus probably said and maybe sometimes didn't, uh, maybe taken out of context. Everything is sort of given equal weight in the quote-unquote Sermon on the Mount, which makes it an interesting discussion because it kind of seems like you know, Jesus says really, really big, important things that are obviously very important to him, followed up by things that are kind of like, really? You want to talk about <laughs> whether people should get remarried after they're divorced? <laughs> like, that doesn't seem like something that concerns you anywhere else. Um, and I, I think all of it has been really interesting to me. It took us forever to get through Matthew chapter 5, like like 15 episodes or something like that. Yeah. And now we're going to power through Matthew chapter 6, which I think is way better. We're going to get through um, six and seven before the pool's open. That's yeah, our plan, in like three right? weeks before the <clears throat> pool's open. That's great. Um, do we have to do all of seven? Yeah. No, I thought it was like a little bit barely into seven before it stops being red. You don't know the word. It's been a minute. It's been a minute since I was in the word. But I did read a little bit of Matthew chapter six this morning just to hey, know good where for we're you. headed. Here's one for you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consume, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Boom. Done. I got nothing here. That's good. All of my treasure is in heaven. <laughs> This this one kind of connects for me to some of the stuff that we were talking about last week. Remember about like 
we thought about what if Jesus meant that stuff about don't pray out or like when he says, when you pray out loud in church where everybody can see you and think, oh, what a good prayer you are and how holy you are. That's, that's the fruit of that. Like, that's what you get. Everybody thinks you're very holy and that's nice. (laughs) Like, what if he said that with no judgment and it was just like, if you want a deep, you know, if if you want a deep inner life, well, like go to your room and deal with that by yourself. Right. But if you want people to think you're holy, there's a really good system for that too. It's called church. Go there yep. and pray out loud. Yeah. Um, you know, if you want, if you want, it's kind of funny have, though, the way you just worded that, where he's like, if you really want to be holy, like a deep inner life, like don't bother us with it. <laughs> <laughs> don't be that guy at the party. <laughs> It's exactly. like, let me tell you about my spiritual practice. Let me tell you about the time I saw God. I'm like, don't do that. Just go see God. It's fine. Just Yeah. So, you know, if if Jesus just meant that totally non-judgmentally, here's two options for you. Depends on what you want. Um well then this one is about how do you have treasure in heaven or whatever, right? Like how do you how do you get the stuff how do you get the good stuff? That's not just about everybody thinking you're holy. Yeah. Spiritual reward, like actual. I see that. I had not thought of it that way, that this is because I'm still stuck in evangelical. Like this is about afterlife stuff. I still get stuck in those paradigms Yeah. of, you know, don't store up treasures here. Send them on ahead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Those but, jewels will be in your crown once you get one. This one is so much less clear, right? The others, like, if you want, you know, Jesus was a guy who was around religious people a lot. Right. Um, so he kind of has a good sense of how this works. So, like, if you want to be seen as holy, I know exactly how to do that. There's a system yeah. built for that. You go here, you you pray this prayer, you give this money and you make sure everybody watches you do it. Um, you know, you pass the plate around so that you can, <clears throat> so Martha can see you put it in or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you, you fast and you let everybody know that you're on a 40 day fast, put ashes on your head. Like we have a whole system for that. That's easy. But when he says like, but do you want the good stuff? He just says, well, do that. <laughs> store up treasures in heaven like, yeah no <laughs> no um i guess i'm being unfair because he does say of those other things like if you you know if you want rewards if you want treasures in heaven give your money away secretly so that you don't even know how much you're giving and go to your room and shut the door and pray uh and you know fast but put makeup on and and all yourself up so that you look nice and people don't know that you're fasting. Don't mope around. Yeah. It is, it is a very interesting perspective to take on this. It's a different spin. I think than I've probably ever heard before to, to think of it, uh, very, to think of it objectively, like that Jesus is just making a distinction between two different types of, uh, spiritual practice one that gets you rewarded and noticed here and now and one that is actually spiritual you know one one that has complete 
it's it's complete tie to your actual interactions with other people and one that is actually potentially divine in some way and it does make it you know a, a very interesting thing but it but it also makes it hard to follow it makes it hard to kind of like well what do you mean how will i know if i've done it right what are the what are the fruits of this what what's the what's the math of the treasures that i store up in heaven because if i get a contribution statement um from the churches <laughs> that i contribute to or the yeah. food banks or whatever then like i can at least say that's how much of my treasure i shared with others um but if i give in such a way that my left hand doesn't even know what my right hand is doing if i'm you know following these other things and you say that i'll have treasure in heaven what are you what are you talking about and i think it has to kind of come down to um something that i think jesus is so often talking about and that is like peace and freedom and like the intangible immeasurable products of a deep and healthy spiritual life are the things that Jesus is sort of counseling towards in these teachings. He's not really teaching a religion. Um, I think I've said that quite a bit on this podcast. It, it was a big, it was a big movement with the, the, uh, the anti evangelicals. And I don't mean anti like opposed to <laughs> as much as just the, the people who were evangelicals but didn't quite fit, it was a big a big thing for them was to say, like, if Jesus were to come back and discover that we founded a religion in his name, he'd flip every table in sight. Like, Jesus would be offended by this. And I think when you read Matthew chapter 6, you'd have to agree. You'd have to say, like, everything you do in my name is the opposite of what I told you to do. <laughs> yeah. You come into these rooms and you pray out loud. Literally, you literally repeat the prayer that I told you to go into your room and shut the door behind you and say to your father in heaven who is unseen by yourself. You say that one out loud in public and microphones. Yeah. Uh, you you give publicly, you give contribution statements, you send out, like anybody who ever gave to Risen Church would get an email when they did it automatically, like it was automatically generated. Thank you for giving to Risen Church. Um, everything we do here, very pragmatically, and this is like, the anti-evangelical movement was this, you know, these people like Rob Bell is probably the most recognizable name in it who were just kind of like, uh, if Jesus discovered we, if Jesus were to show up at a church and discover we founded a religion in his name, he'd be livid in the same ways that he appears to be livid whenever he sees people using religion to oppress people in the New Testament, <laughs> calling yeah, them a right. brood of vipers and... Um, so I don't know I, I think there is something about Matthew chapter 6 that is aimed at actual um, liberation and actual peace and actual growth and spiritual practice that's pretty difficult to quantify and, and maybe doesn't work very well for our, mes our western minds especially when placed in the category of religion um it's because it's kind of anti-religion. I don't know. Does that seem right to you? Do you do you feel like that's the? Yeah, <laughs> I the mean, and so, of... like these things are so tricky to <clears throat> define, right? But insofar as what we mean by religion is 
doing things, doing your spiritual practices publicly. Yeah. <laughs> like that's clearly something Jesus doesn't like. Yeah. How about this one? The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you, sorry, if, (laughs) if then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? If the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? That's a fortune cookie. <laughs> My, I, I have notes on this, and this yeah. is what they say. What the fuck does this mean? <laughs> That's I wrote that down. <laughs> did you put a little star as the U, an asterisk? <laughs> yeah. Or did you spell out? No, I, I wrote it out. Oh, I never so write it out. TSA knows. I don't I want it traced back to me. <laughs> Um. Okay. Well, let's try to let's think about it. Let me pull it up here. I want to read it too. The eye is the lamp of the body. Suppose your eyes are healthy, then your whole body will be full of light. But suppose your eyes can't see well, then your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light inside you is darkness, then it is very dark. That's the NIRV. <laughs> if the light inside you is darkness, then it is very dark. <laughs> Okay, um, this is one of those, like, I prefer similes to metaphors. Yeah. Um, a thousand to one. Because it kind of looks like Jesus has just, like, got a problem with blind people. Um, <laughs> well, he in does, this situation, it very he little distinction a lot of made. them. Yeah. Well, that's true. That's true. Well, maybe maybe he's talking about exactly that. Like he he's might literally be. I don't know. He's like an optometrist. He's discovered <laughs> he has a special knack for this and he's like, "Is anybody's eyes not working? How dark it must be for you <laughs> if your eyes don't work." <laughs> hey, you over there, can you see me? Yeah, you. I'm pointing at you. Oh, yeah, that doesn't make any sense, does it? You can't see that I'm pointing at you. <laughs> you in the gray. <laughs> Oh, you don't get gray? (laughs) How dark the darkness inside you must be if you can't see at all. Maybe he just is experiencing... He doesn't quite get it with blindness, but he's experiencing a real special sympathy for blind people. He has a real knack for it. But that's what I'm saying. Like, Especially whenever we're talking about an ancient writing that was lifted out of context and put into something else. <laughs> and it's not a simile. It's not Jesus is saying like, he, nowhere in this, at least, at least in this English translation, does it say, you know, it's like this. Yeah. The he eye literally is the could lamp have been of the body. He could have been having a conversation uh, with some people about blindness. I wonder, because isn't the King James, the eye is the window to the soul? I mean, that's the, um, that's kind of, I mean, it starts with the eye is like a lamp to the body. Oh, see, Um, the NRSV doesn't have like there. It's just a metaphor. Um, but then it says, suppose your eyes are healthy. Like it just, it's, it's a very odd kind of thing. Uh, so while you're looking that up, 
I did teach this a lot. I, I did actually spend quite a bit of time. I found value in the metaphor as a preacher because then you can do it with it whatever you want. Sure. <laughs> when you're dealing with metaphors and similes, uh, you can kind of just be like, yeah, well, it doesn't say what he means. Maybe it means something like this. I do think there is a... Um, just because what comes next in Matthew chapter 6 really starts to get very, um, uh, and you know, I'm in a, I'm in a program for mental health counseling right now. So I'm a little, I'm, I'm extra conscious of these things and, and super interested in how I can tie my, my first half of professional life to my second half of professional life. So I want to see these things. And so I see these things, but this is very much a, a sort of mental health seminar that Jesus kind of going into some, because he starts to talk about worry after this. I mean, he, this is a big, a, a sort of one paragraph lecture on anxiety and the way that it operates in our bodies. Um, and so this metaphor or, or simile, depending on which translation you're reading <laughs> is a good way to get into that conversation because Jesus is basically saying everything in your life really comes down to a matter of perspective. Um, everything you're experiencing is sort of like goes through some sort of filter before you make a decision, before you're acting on things, before you're feeling something in your body, you know, from something that happens to you, you see it a certain way. And I'm using the word see as a metaphor there. You, you, you sort of interpret things in a certain way. And Jesus is saying, if you have kind of a, a dark view, if you go looking for darkness, uh, you'll find it. Like, if the light inside of you is dark, then how deep that darkness? You will find plenty to support <laughs> that theory <laughs> yeah, that everything sure. sucks. Uh, yeah. You will find plenty to support the idea that the world is a very, very dark place. And Jesus, maybe, non-judgmentally, maybe he's being objective here again. Maybe he's not prescribing a certain way that you need to see the world. Maybe he's just sort of high. I think that's what Jesus at his best as a philosopher is doing is not necessarily saying be like me uh, the way Paul would say be like me as I'm like the Lord. Jesus doesn't do that quite as much as he says here's your options. You can choose to see things with a light in your eyes or you can choose to see things with a darkness in your eyes. Um, But just know that the more darkness you allow into your perspective, the darker things come. Like that's a slippery slope that leads to deep worry and anxiety and depression. And um, doesn't mean you can just fix it by seeing the world differently. But I I think he's, I think he's addressing it somewhat non-judgmentally and saying, yeah, it does kind of boil down to how do you take an information to begin with? Yeah. Yeah. I really, I'm, I'm liking this. I didn't know we were going to do this with with these texts like i didn't know this is what was going to come up for us i i really like this kind of just seeing jesus as laying out two options right there's two roads yeah. one is narrow and one is wide and straight and like yes yeah. it's not like you should do this one it's just here's yeah here's two your roads diverged in a yellow wood kind of thing. <laughs> and that to me like as a you know just the way that I'm trying to think about what what made me a bad pastor too, you know. I think it was the what I my now infamous statement. What made me a bad pastor and a good friend <laughs> was that I saw Jesus as now. Is this true of Jesus? I don't know. 
I mean, he seemed pretty like pretty strong, strongly held beliefs and opinions and things. Like that's not this may not necessarily be a super fair treatment of the tote of the whole person of Jesus sure. Christ of Nazareth. But I do think it's a it's a possibility to interpret the, these philosophies and these teachings in this way to say Jesus is saying there's this way and there's that way. Um, now, clearly, he's leaning in one way. Clearly, he wants you to see the world with light in your eyes. Yeah. Clearly, he wants you um, to give without letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Clearly, he he wants you to practice a spirituality that actually makes you healthy. Um, but that is... Uh, I, but I think it's interesting to approach it this way. I do think it's useful um, to sort of consider just two two options on yeah, the table. Well, okay, so the next statement is perfect. He says no one can serve two masters. Yeah. Uh the slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Yeah. Two options. Yeah, there's my there's notes a- my notes under that one say great fucking point, Jesus. <laughs> No asterisk. <laughs> Is this because you're writing your dissertation and you can't use the word fuck anywhere? So yeah, you need to make <laughs> just sure. to drop it into every sentence. That <laughs> right in my notes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and this this concept of wealth—you can't serve God and wealth. It really does seem to to fit the perspective of everything else in Matthew chapter six, right? He yeah. he uses the word wealth, and we immediately think, you know, um, Scrooge McDuck or whatever. Like, you know, you can either be wealthy or money. Yeah. But what he's saying is you can be successful in the eyes of your peers and your, you know, the world all around you. You can you can have that or you can sort of seek the spiritual fruit of that. You, You can pursue your spirituality or you can pursue your faith in such a way that it gets noticed, that it's tangible, that it's, you know, quantifiable. Or you can have great connection to the divine, and that might not be as easy to quantify. It, I mean, it might make you, you know, quit your job and start a podcast. It might make <laughs> you, like, if you're really, really chasing after God and not wealth, and, you know, the word wealth being used very loosely there, Yeah. if, if you're pursuing the spirituality on the as as objective as we're trying to make Jesus sound on the side of the the way that he's definitely leaning and definitely like kind of leading people to and saying you say that I am a different teacher than your teachers of religious law you say that when you hear me talk that it sounds like I have real authority well this is what it's about it's because I don't care I don't fucking care what the religious system has to say about it all um yeah I'm actually more interested in inner peace and freedom and like spiritual fulfillment yeah that's i had never read that particular line as being connected to the others and it must be you know even if jesus didn't preach this as a sermon matthew put it together right he he had to have been thinking about these things as connected um you know so i i can see now that we're doing it all together the like treasures in heaven and the eyes of the body and these serving masters they seem like they're really disjointed but maybe they're really as tightly connected as matthew wanted us to see them 
Um, but it is worth saying, I think, I mean, Jesus is also talking about actual dollar dollar bills, y'all. Yeah. Here, right? He's like, he's actually, he is. is talking about money. It's not. Right. And I say that because I think, I think the point is similar. And Matthew clearly saw these points as similar, that there's something about like trying to earn the respect of others and the, like, to be seen, to be seen, um, like that they're clearly connected for him but too often we over spiritualize jesus like when jesus says blessed are the poor then we want to say yeah but in spirit right <laughs> like <laughs> let's not actually talk about anything that's going to have to make us you know vote for things <laughs> that benefit the act people who are actually impoverished or whatever right so it's worth saying, like, yeah, Jesus is really talking about money. Well, and the two things are really, like, very directly connected for me, too, though. Like, oh, yeah, for sure. The idea of, you know, wealth meaning money and wealth meaning sort of religious piety and success in the in the world all around us is like, well, when you look at the sort of system of evangelicalism that I come from, especially, like, prosperity, gospel, charismatic... um, evangelicalism from which I come and you know several listeners of crisis of faith that I know personally we all kind of come from that circle of things and and when we talk about that like we're talking about you know Hillsong Church the the largest church the world has ever seen Elevation Church um, lifechurch.tv they have a .tv at the end of their name as a church which is fun um, like these are the Joel Osteen. Uh, I can't remember yeah. what his church is even called, but these are the biggest churches that the world has ever seen by a long shot. And they're all prosperity gospel churches. They're all churches where religious piety and material wealth are the same thing. They're on the same trajectory. Your religious piety and your and, and like the Dave Ramsey shit too, like they're on the same path. The more yeah. religiously pious you become, the better evangelical Christian you are, the more the, wealthy you will become as well. Those yeah. things are intimately tied together. You cannot be um, one without the other. You cannot succeed in your religious faith and your practice of evangelicalism without also succeeding in, you know, becoming a super profitable Chick-fil-A manager. <laughs> right. Um, or or whatever else you may do, selling lots of essential oils this year. <laughs> or and Jesus says that's a perfectly fine plan. He as says as long that's as you fine. don't want to serve God. <laughs> exactly, which is really interesting. And so, you know, coming back around, I'm I'm, I'm not angered by this stuff. I was going to say as much anymore, but I'm not sure I'm angered by it at all anymore. Like I feel completely objective and completely like I'm participating in an evangelical church where prosperity gospel is, is alive and well. And I'm just like very often touching my finger to my chin and saying, Hmm, interesting (laughs) perspectives that you have here. What a strange little subculture that we are. Um, (laughs) that claims the name of Jesus while, practicing these things that are in direct contribution or direct contradiction to his actual prescriptions for us. A fun little thing that we are. (laughs) 
Here's a Are prescriptive gonna... one. Here's a thing that Jesus says, don't do this. Yeah, this will fix it too. If anybody has any anxiety, any <laughs> worries, any like mental health conditions that Here's you take answer. prescriptions for, you're not going to have to anymore right after you hear this. This is going to fix it. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? What's the answer there? I think it's an implied yes, I am. Right? I don't know. But it's an interesting consideration. It, it is an interesting question. And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? Who knows? <laughs> Maybe you can. You know, if you're a little more cautious. Asking. He's like, I'm new to yeah. being human. <laughs> you saw me try to pee in front of you. If oh, you worry, that was good. You, you circled back. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> what a callback. Maybe Jesus is asking, like, I see you guys worrying. Will that make you live longer? Did you plan that? Huh? Did you plan that out at the beginning? That was so good. No, but the Lord did. <laughs> I've been seeking his face and his guidance. <laughs> and it's amazing the way he'll he'll align the stars for you. <laughs> <laughs> and why do you worry about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. This, this is such good writing. Uh, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not, who puts grass in the oven? <laughs> will he not much more clothe you? Hey, oh, I do. Faith? <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, <laughs> Clearly the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania has not up, caught up with the Commonwealth of Virginia. <laughs> Bake that grass. <laughs> <laughs> Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows, what you ne knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. <laughs> oh, isn't it fun, though, that it ends on tomorrow? <laughs> like, so don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Like that Jesus' final thing is like, don't worry about tomorrow because it's got a shit ton of problems <laughs> coming, too. Like, trust me, you got enough problems today and there's plenty more for tomorrow. <laughs> I just, I, I love, I love this. I know, like, I know what you're going to say because, well, I mean, you already, you made a joke about it at the front. Like, this is not, there's nothing helpful about this. <laughs> if you're, if you're worrying, the, like, the worst piece of advice you could ever get is don't worry. <laughs> right. Because right. now you're worried about whatever you were worried about and also worried about the fact that you're worrying. Yeah, and if you're 
And if you're deeply uh, religious or deeply evangelical, then you're, you're also worried that you're, worried that you're offending God. <laughs> yeah. You're sinning. But I just think it's so, like, I don't know. I I quote this to myself all the time. I think about, like, sufficient unto the day or the evils thereof. That's the King James. Like, I I just... I have too much shit on my plate today to even think about that big problem coming up down the road. And that's okay. Like I let myself off the hook for the down the road problems because there's just too much shit happening today. I do have found this to be a really, really helpful passage in my life. Or I don't know if helpful is the word, like just one that I come back to, but I'm not a worrier. And so I will say that for me, um, it seems like a very, or it seemed, I'm older now, um, but for, you know, the first decade or so of my real interest in the Bible, you know, from 19 to 29 or whatever, this validated the way that I really thought. And it it's still how I think. I still read this and this makes sense to me. And it actually, I can prevent myself from worry to some extent by reminding myself uh, who by worrying can add any, a single hour to their life. Like that actually does kind of work for me, but I'm not someone who deals with worry at, at a clinical level. You know, that's a great point. That's I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat and like, I don't, I don't have anxiety. And in fact, sometimes probably what I do is I tend to just not face things because I don't get worried about them. <laughs> Like, yeah. Oh, I should worry about how I'm going to pay this bill coming up. And like, but I'm not gonna, cause I, today has enough worries of its own. So like, <laughs> you know, Jesus validates my sort of laissez faire kind of approach to the world. Yeah, yeah. I imagine if you, if you have anxiety issues, like this is exactly the opposite of the advice that you need. And I think you're, yeah, that, that comment of like the sort of the, the carefree hippie, whatever, it'll probably work out. That is my, I mean, I've, I've quoted this several times now. I've talked about this t-shirt. I had this real moment on scrolling through Instagram one day where I saw that t-shirt that's got a flower on the left and on the right side, it says, what if everything just worked out fine? And I sort of like realized that to some extent that became my religious structure somewhere around the time that I stopped believing in hell. You know, I began moving in the direction of thinking maybe things are fine. And that is the replacement thing that happened for me. Like that is the faith structure. That's when, when evangelicalism started becoming less and less interesting to me to the point where I'm no longer like there was a period even in the, in the life of, crisis of faith where I was very offended by by evangelicalism's uh, abuse and misuse and ig- and ignorance of the teachings of Jesus. Now I'm to the point where I like I don't actually care. What I really realize here is the main difference I have <laughs> with these people is I believe that things are going to be okay. I actually I don't know why I believe that. Probably some combination of privilege and um, 
and uh, just the right wiring in my brain for it because there's plenty of people whose situation is way better than mine or way more privileged than mine, but also deal with a lot of anxiety and worry and don't think things are okay. And the opposite, like people who are way worse off than me, who are even more peaceful about how things are. But I I think there's something to this passage being meaningful to me because it validates what I already thought was true. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It's not helpful. That's that's really helpful that you said that. But it also fits into the narr- the wider narrative of everything else that we've said about Matthew chapter 6. What if we were to look at this not as a prescriptive teaching on how to behave and more of a left and right, black and white, like opposite ends of the spectrum, just an objective observation of two different perspectives for existing in the world. And you may not really be able to choose some of them. Like some of it might just... You'll either hear what Jesus says and and it will validate what you already think or you'll hear it and you'll be kind of offended by it because like that doesn't help Jesus. Uh, but yeah, he's just well, saying these are the two ways. You know, there is a chance that the answer to Jesus's question. Could you by worrying add an hour to your lifespan? There's a fair chance that the answer is yes. I mean, so anxiety is hard on the body. Um, so yeah. you might be taking away hours from your lifespan, but you know, Gwendolyn, of course, suffers from a lot of anxiety, as she's talked about on the podcast before. And because of it... That's Joe's wife. That's my wife, if, you haven't, if you're not a long-time listener. Um, even if you are a long-time listener, she's still my wife. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's such a good dad joke. Uh, the Because of it, she's like the most cautious driver you've ever met. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, because of it, she has never paid a bill even a day late because she's just scrupulous. Like, yeah, I mean, there there are probably things like she she watches her her body and goes to the doctor the second any. I haven't been to a doctor in God knows how long. Right. Um, right. I don't worry about because that. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, she might be adding a lot of, a lot of hours to her life by worrying. Yeah. Um, that's so true. It is objectively just like, this is just, these are just philosophical observations about the nature of, um, life and circumstance and mental health. And, you know, when you think about on the opposite end of the spectrum, you're talking about Gwendolyn and how that she may in fact add hours to her life by her cautiousness. And then you look at somebody like Bob Marley who didn't worry about a ting, right? <laughs> and then he got a little bit of cancer in his foot and he was like, no, I'm not worried about that. And then he died <laughs> because he didn't worry about a ting. There was at least one ting he should have worried about. <laughs> Did Bob Marley die of foot cancer? Is that, is that in essence he he was a rastafarian and didn't believe in amputation uh and he needed to have his foot amputated or toe amputated or something like that and uh from yep. foot cancer from a cancer that began in his foot wow. if i'm if if memory serves me correctly bob marley had exactly one thing about which he should have worried <laughs> Preacher, is Jesus a white guy? And does he really hate everyone who is gay? 
Does he turn up his nose before he bombs all his foes? Is he a member of the NRA? Preacher, does Jesus really care if the poor can't find enough scraps? Does he say, suck it up, son, look at how good I've done by just pulling on my designer bootstraps? Yeah.